0: Hello and welcome to the knowledge Level College Podcast. This is your host Patrick Butler, and today I have an amazing conversation to share with you. I just talked with a man named Jesse Lafleur. He's a professional parkour athlete and freerunner. He has an amazing YouTube channel. He's been active in Hollywood and on TV as a stuntman. He's an artist and filmmaker with a brand new documentary out called "Bound by Movement." It's really awesome. And on top of all that, he's an entrepreneur with his very own Pro Signature Model Shoe. This guy is incredibly talented. I had an amazing time talking to him and I'm incredibly excited to see uh, where his uh, career continues to go down all these different paths and seeing his success build. I think you're going to love this episode. So please, without further delay, enjoy this conversation with Jesse LaFleur. Hey, Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. It's a real honor to
1: be on the show. (laughs) Yeah, happy to be here.
0: Hey, so for the audience out there who maybe is not already familiar with your work, would you mind sharing with them sort of what you do and how you got into it?
1: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Jesse LaFlair. I'm a professional parkour athlete and freerunner. I've been lucky enough to establish myself as probably one of the most successful freerunners in this sport. Um, I am the first pro to have his own pro signature model shoe through a company called Tempest free running, which I actually am also a co-owner of now.
0: That's phenomenal. And I want to ask you about your shoes and sort of what makes them different, but uh, I'm I'm curious about your background because, you know, being a professional parkour runner and mixing in all the other things that you do is what I find so uh, unique about your, sort of online personality let's call it you know you're you're involved with film TV uh the parkour running itself sort of making it into an art form and then also entrepreneurship and I'm curious if that's something that you always imagined sort of, or something that you planned 10 years ago or is it something that sort of unfolded naturally and caught you by surprise
1: yeah you know I mean I grew up in action sports I was always sort of addicted to this like exploration of like physical I don't know movement um like I grew up kind of riding motorcycles I, I drove my first dirt bike when I was like three years old and had my first motorcycle when I was five my my dad has always kind of been like into motors and he's actually um drag races for the NHRA now um but so we were kinda of always surrounded by like this, not really extreme, but kind of extreme parenting in the sense that it was like, Yeah, let's, you know, throw him, throw my three year old on a motorcycle and let him ride around, um, even though he can't touch the floor. So the only way for him to get off is to hit the brakes and jump off. Um <laughs> But but I've I i kind of had this like natural digression of of motors or vehicles into the sport. So for anyone that doesn't actually know what parkour free running it is. Um, Parkour is kind of the way that we explain it is it's like we use our body right in the most fast and efficient way to get from point A to point B going over, under or through any obstacle that might be in our path. So it's been used in things um, like the military where it kind of got its roots um, and brought into the the sort of cities of um, France and then it kind of changed into this like evolving sort of sport. Um, and then free running, which is the freestyle aspect of what parkour is, is more about like self-expression through movement in any given environment. Uh, you obviously still use all the fundamental movements that are in the core of it from parkour, your vaults and everything, um, to, uh, to, to kind of expand how and what you do in, in a space. Um, but for me, I, you know, I came from action sports. I grew up riding motorcycles. I then went into like dirt jumping, and BMX. Um, and then it sort of became like skateboarding and rollerblading. And I started, I actually took rollerblading and dirt jumping pretty serious when I was young. So there were, there were moments in that where I started to realize, like, there are people living off of doing this fun stuff, you know, and I had, um, signature BMX bikes and the rollerblades I bought were, you know, pro models of, of pros within the sport. And it just like, for me became this dream to have something um that i created for a sport and i didn't find parkour till i was in college so i didn't know if that was ever going to happen and when i found parkour it definitely wasn't even considered an action sport even though that's kind of how i always saw it
0: when, what year was that when you first discovered parkour
1: oh let me think i mean it was about 14 maybe 15 years ago um i was in college yeah i'm not, <laughs> I'm not yeah, sure i hear you i mean for i think
0: for a lot of people you know like they're like i remember seeing it i think it was in around like 2006 it was in like a james bond movie casino royale there was a chase scene with parkour and i think that really got a lot of people talking about it and i remember seeing it sort of elevating in popularity but what, what i think is interesting is sort of diving into a uh you know, looking at it as an action sport and looking at it as something that could grow into something much bigger, even when it's in its fledgling stage and still very new to, you know, especially people in America, which, uh, you know, like from your perspective, did you just start sort of playing around with it, found that, you you know, you're good at it, or was it something that just was fascinating to you? How how did you sort of take that, uh, you know, fledgling sport and, and, you know, commit so much energy and time to it?
1: You know, I was... So when i when i kind of discovered it it was some kids jumping around and they were very much into the the aspect of like parkour itself like the fast and efficient movement right overcoming obstacles whether they're physical or mental right so i was like all right whatever i'm in you know i'm, I'm this sounds amazing so when i started doing it it was really just like i was already into climbing and jumping and you know exploring things so now that Someone kind of put a name to it. It almost gave me more permission to continue to do it um and i, I just kind of yeah i was i I picked it up pretty quick because I've already been jumping on trampolines and with rollerblading, I was you know flipping over fly boxes and um whatnot so f- for me, the skill level was already kind of there on like an early you know when I got to it um pretty early yeah. but then it wasn't until I moved to New York and um I was just kind of looking for jobs and I was always kind of searching the, the web for ways to like make fun, you know, have fun and get paid for it, right? That's kind of been my MO. I like literally at one point when I was younger, I worked for a company called Flybar, which is an extreme pogo stick company that does those like six foot high pogo sticks. And I got paid to like travel with that. And I was a head camp awesome. counselor at a skate park for like six years every summer. And, um you know lifeguarding everything i did kind of had like i wanted to make sure that i was having fun doing it uh which i kind of carried through throughout my life uh so when it came to parkour i was like this is a thing i'm into so i started searching for ways to do it for money whether that was you know almost being on the nicks halftime show and auditioning for that and then um i found uh an audition for eastman kodak company uh the film company was shooting a short film slash commercial for their new film stock where they compare two different films and what they do is they shoot like a 15 minute short film on both stocks and then kind of use it as a way to to show like look this gets deeper blacks and this pull you can pull more color from this um but I, I was able to send in a video and convince them that i was their guy so they flew me out to rochester and uh allowed me to be the little like star slash free runner throughout this whole film process and that was when I think it really clicked for me that like oh man I can get paid for this this is like at its core the most fun natural thing I want to do in life is just like run jump climb and flip around so (laughs) yeah that that kind of gave me permission to like take it a little bit more serious and start creating you know media and around that time I mean 2007 is when YouTube launched so our sport grew through videos. You know, we shared movement through online media. That's why when I usually talk about parkour, I kind of relate it to hip hop in the sense that it's not just movement, right? Hip hop isn't just rap. It's not just graffiti. It's not just turntables or break dancing. It's all of those things. That is the culture of hip hop. Well, the culture of parkour is not just movement. It's it's video creation. It's actually marketing through social media. It's something we've all had to do and learn to do. Uh, through the process of being an athlete within this sport
0: that's amazing and and I never thought of it like that the way that uh, you know this sport that is so human focused on human body mechanics is so intertwined with the technology that was growing around the same time that's that's a really interesting way to look at it yeah so tell me about uh how you've perceived the the art form of it and how you've you know sort of weave together this sport into more of an art style with the videos that you made you know i watched one today that you have 11 million views on youtube it's the the zombie parkour movie like how how did you start to to you know have the idea of of you sort of mixing these things closer together and make it more of a dynamic art form
1: yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, not a lot of people know. I actually went to school, I uh, went to college for um, art and I got my bachelor's of fine art and sculpture, but I created my own sort of concentration, which was video like performance almost, where I would use video as an art form and project it back onto pieces. And um, you know, my thesis was like this crazy eight foot circular room with built in i think 12 monitors built in with rotary switch that like controlled these videos and rotated these two different videos which were actually the same video but one was reverse one was forward craziness anyway so (laughs) um so video was always this this tool for art for me so when the more i started getting into movement um The more I was really like, I need to connect these things because there's so much of it about it that makes sense, especially like we were just saying, like with YouTube and platforms, video platforms becoming more accessible uh, to not only like post things on, but actually share with people uh, and build an audience. um, It it kind of was from that earliest stage was like, it just made sense to me. And I think if you look at one of my first videos on YouTube, it was like, next video at 10 subscribers. Uh, and that came at a time where people didn't know that they could ask for people to subscribe. You know, people weren't, I got I got very like savvy with it quick with these like very bold thumbnails because I knew they would stand out more. And um, there was always kind of this kind of natural understanding of how other people will perceive things and want or be interested in staying connected. Um, and I also kind of recognized the, uh, the idea of building an audience very early on. It's
0: pretty cool how parkour is probably one of the best things for, you know, a young YouTube platform where, you know, people are publishing their videos off of, you know, whatever cameras were available at the time. Didn't have to be any crazy high quality because what you're doing in the video is just so
1: cool to watch that that doesn't really matter as much. Yeah, for sure. And that, I mean, that was something that, Also was intriguing to me because there was, you know, very early on, there were, there were tutorials on YouTube. Um, They were quote unquote tutorials, but they were like really, really bad slow motion, Uh, like four angles of a trick in like, you know, terrible slow motion because we didn't really have that technology then. But, um, and they they weren't long and they were just slow-mo and no one talking or saying anything about how to do a move. They called them tutorials and they were racking up like hundreds of thousands of views. So for me, I was like, you know, looking how to do tricks. And I was like, there's no real information out there. So that turned me on to being like, all right, people need to make tutorials. So I started making really in-depth tutorials. I think at this point now I have about 20, no, sorry, 80 tutorials on YouTube. And I think collectively they've probably racked up like um, 20 20 to 25 million views. Um, And uh, it's kind of been a, a really nice catalyst. And I got a lot of youth reaching out saying like, those videos were the reason they were able to get into parkour and learn how to do it. So um, yeah,
0: super proud of that. The tutorials are awesome. I have to say, I, I watched the one on how to do a backflip. It's like very in depth. Uh, <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I still cannot do a backflip, but uh, the, the <laughs> is, you know, it's, it's described in a very, uh, in a way that even though i've never imagined being able to do a backflip after watching them like you know with maybe with enough practice maybe uh right setting i could i could sort of figure this out
1: yeah for sure
0: <laughs> so uh at what point for you did did it start becoming you know cuz you've gotten into you know hollywood and and commercials and and tv shows awesome chase scenes and stuff like that where did those opportunities start arising
1: uh again i guess just out of the hustle right like so even in new york yeah. after the kodak thing I, I sort of recognized like all right i i don't know how to act um i can I'm, I'm comfortable in front of a camera i have been my whole life and uh now all i need to do is figure out how to like be a little bit more confident when it comes to the other side of what tv is probably going to require for me so i started taking classes in new york about acting and then i got out and then and then the real decision probably was was moving out to los angeles right like my entire family like whether aunts uncles grandparents everybody lived on long island where i grew up pretty close to each other and not many people in my family ever left um and kind of like you know the one uncle that did leave didn't no one ever really talked to anymore so i was i was sort of brought up in this like idea that the family stays together um so when i Decided with my my at that time well at that time probably girlfriend when we decided but then we got married uh, wife who this is an offshoot but we've been together now for about 19 20 years since ninth grade so it was wow. a decision we made together but um, we decided let's we want to go out to L A um, we didn't even really understand what L A had to offer we just were like no we both want this and we should do it um, so we came out one weekend. Literally spent the weekend looking for apartments and signed a lease, and then we moved a month later. Um, And that was probably the hardest decision I made, but also part of the equation. When people, you know, I get reached out to a lot. People say, like, "How do you get into stunts? How do you get into movies? How do you be on TV?" And I think a large part of that answer is just being where the work is. You know, I mean, being willing to sacrifice something. Um, because there will always be sacrifices that need to be made. And unfortunately, mine was sort of like having that moment where I had to leave the people I loved the most to go try to chase my dreams and, and, you know, kind of uh, trust myself. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, that's That's a a big part of it. (laughs)
0: That is definitely a... Huge challenge. I'm from Boston myself, and I know what you mean. In the Northeast, there seems to be like this bubble where everyone stays where they are. Yeah. They, you know, don't, you know, like the family stays around, and, uh you know, moving out to California is, it's, it's a bold move, but definitely uh, worth the opportunity. And, you know, it's ultimately to give, you know, to create more for your family, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, it, it, but then again, like I was saying, it comes back to the hustle. Um, I think every, a lot of people like to, a lot of people that don't have the hustle like to just call successful people lucky, you know, and like yep. no one really sees the hustle. Um, they're not really meant to, you know. It's that's that's part of the the behind the scenes sort of stuff that happens on on a literally daily basis. Um, and that's you know when people talk about entrepreneurship or just this idea of not having a, a full time job, um, you know, I think we as freelancers end up working a lot more than right than the full time job guys there's some funny saying about you know i, I don't work a full time job a 40 hour week so that i can work an 80 hour week cuz we're always sort of on right yeah yeah you quit you quit your 9 to 5 for a <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly that's great that's the best way i've heard it and
0: and it's like the uh you know i i, I hear you it's like the hustle is not really meant to be viewed it's the uh, you know, they'll say like an overnight success, 10 years in the making.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what did that
0: look like for you? You know, cause I think it, it with what you do, it could easily be mistaken. At least if I, I felt like if I was trying to do what you were doing, it could easily be mistaken for like, you know, you're just having fun working out or doing something like that, but to make it into a professional hustle, you know, to make it into uh, to, to treat it like a professional what did that look like for you when you're going? Were you training every single day? Were you like, what? What did that regimen look like?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely we call it training actually when you go out and jump on shit. <laughs> um, but in in actuality, there's there is an element of training, right? It's always the that's part of the fun is getting to do the thing we love. But I think the the work came in a, in a mix of it all, right? Like I marketing is so much of is what gave me the platform to be the person I am. Uh at this point of parkour and free running, I'm nowhere near the most talented athlete. There are like 12-year-old kids doing like tricks that I can only dream of. Um but that is, you know, maybe when I was in the spotlight the most, maybe that wasn't the case. Maybe it's it started to grow beyond the skill level because I'm kind of stuck in the work and not able to train as much as some of these younger kids plus obviously we've unlocked that sort of natural growth pattern for them but uh yeah i think i think it's so much about the marketing right like i built a name for myself i i was very strategic about you know ways to do that and you know ninja warrior was one of those platforms um american ninja warrior tv show obstacle course challenge show if you don't know it that's crazy but I, I was able to get on the show very early on. I think it was season four, it might have been like the first or second year they had it inside the USA. Um, and I just kind of like made my whole sort of submission about the idea that my YouTube subscribers were all asking me to be on the show and I made, you know, I actually made a video of being like, hey guys, can you comment below, Jesse, you should go on Ninja Warriors. So during my submission, I can like post all these. Screenshots and and convince them that you know I have this large fan base and that's why they should put me on. Um, and long story short, I ended up getting on the show. I did pretty well. I think I was like the first in the because there's two qualifiers. There's a short course and a long course. And then in the shorter semi qualifier, I ended up having one of the fastest times. Obviously, made it through to the next round. But they sidelined me in an interview and they're like, Hey, can you tell us about this? I was like, oh, I'm doing this for my YouTube subscribers. You know, I'm trying to plug my YouTube on national television and like because I'm very conscious about the marketing side and they end up yeah. being like, Oh, Jesse, you can't say YouTube, duh, 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 you know? Uh, I was like, all right. So we did another interview and just left it out. And then luckily on the finals course, I had the fastest time. Um, so they were all like super stoked on what I was doing and they're like, Hey, let's talk about your YouTube subscribers or your your fans that wanted you here. So I got to like the next thing, you know, they're on the TV show. They're like the YouTube sensation, Jesse Flair. So every, Opportunity I have, I look for a way to reconnect it, to kind of double dip or benefit the the future side of the endeavors that I want to take on next. Um, and another quick example is something that's not out yet. Actually, I don't even know how much I'm allowed to talk about it, but it's been announced, so I'll give you a little bit of information. Uh, it's oh. a new Fox Television show called Ultimate Tag, uh, and I was brought on as one of the pro taggers. Um, and it's gonna be it's gonna be an incredible show. It's hosted by J.J. Watts and the Watts brothers. So the three of them are actually hosting this this show. And uh, everybody's kind of got these character names, you know. And I was like, well, I don't want a character name. I want to make sure it's my name. You know, it's LaFleur can be the character because at the end of the day, that's that's my brand, and uh, I know that that will benefit me so much more than than playing some extreme version of myself or some. Kind of kooky playful other thing so yeah self-marketing is a big part of it all i think
0: that is that's awesome and i love that you know a little bit of advice always double dipping in every opportunity that you can find is that something that you just had a natural knack or something that you just sort of figured out on your own or is that something that you observed in someone else and sort of picked up
1: i think you know i i grew like i grew up in a family that was always more street smart than they were educationally. <laughs> um So you know, my my dad was always. He I, at one point, my dad was living in his car. Uh, his parents, I guess, divorced or something. So he was living in his car for a while. So he had he had kind of dealt with a lot of the the hustle of life too. So I think there was always little things in the way that I was brought up that that got me to look at bigger picture and definitely not just like how to play the game of life but also like how to communicate with people and how to you know help others and have a relationship and and the idea that you know that it all kind of comes back around to you depending on how you handle any given situation so i'd probably i'd probably give a lot of credit to that side of you know who i am and where i have that natural inclination to do that sort of thing
0: that's awesome. Yeah, it's, you know, a lot of people out there, they play the game, but they don't play to win. And yeah. they're, not, they're not playing to, to get the most that they can out of it. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so your shoes, man, your shoes, they are <laughs> professional signature model shoes. And uh, just looking at these things, you know, it makes me want to buy a pair and go, you know, try some, some of these, uh, try some parkour. What, make, what makes these... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the marketing again is insane. You're crushing it with the marketing. Uh, what, what, first off, what? you know, you mentioned that when you were young and you were riding like, you know, dirt bikes or roll, roller skates or whatever that you were looking at those brands and you want something for yourself. But a lot of people I think want to do something like that, but they never take the action to actually build the business. Uh, what was it like for you sort of diving into that space and, and how has it been going for you so far?
1: Well, I think, you know, one of the really, one of the negative, I guess one of the positives and negatives of parkour is that there is no device, right? Like within any other sport, you are able to get sponsored because the device itself lends multiple opportunities for that to happen. You know, if we want to break down like a BMX bike, you have the, not only do you have the handlebars, you have the handle, the grips on the bars and the the forks and the wheels and the rims and the, you know, like Everything on the bike is is an opportunity for a sponsor to get involved with you as a brand within parkour. We don't have that. We have lifestyle, we have clothing, hats, maybe throw on some headphones or a watch, um, and then the only real device we have, which you technically don't even need, are shoes. So when you think about um, a sport with no sponsorable device, it it feels like the most natural thing that we can do is create that device for our sport um, so there were a couple brands that had already done kind of some shoes and called them parkour even really early on adidas had like a free running shoe that they built but it was like so early on that i don't even think there was probably a hundred thousand people doing parkour free running at the time so it wasn't really like a self like a sustainable thing for a major company to get behind um, so for us, when we got involved with the idea of building out our own fully customized shoe, it was like, all right, how do we, how do we do this? Where, how do we push a little bit to make it a little bit of a different answer? When people ask us the question, do you need special shoes to do this? Cause we, that's a question we get asked all the time. And, and the, the answer is always no, any running pair of shoes will do, which is true. But if we can change that, right, if we can actually convince people because we're building a product that is going to keep you either safer or make tricks easier for you to do, then, then I don't know, then we, we win, right? And then we have something that will allow us to, to get funding to build out events and build out bigger parks and um, host competitions and things like that. So for us, the idea was like, all right, let's build a shoe that has features in it that are specific to the way we move in parkour and you know and it it was a little bit of a stretch we didn't we didn't push too hard there's no like uh hard plastics or anything in there to make it something crazy or you know the idea was like all right we land on the balls of our feet to stick anything so let's extend that precision zone a little bit more and we just added an outrigger Um, and then ankle sprains are probably the most common injury within our sport so what can we do to try to save that? Or like, you know, if someone wants to go big or, or push the limit of what they're currently capable of by stretching just past that limitation and risking a little bit of their, you know, ankle stability by by hucking a bigger trick, maybe we can give them um, a strap that allows them to to support their ankles very quickly without having to unlace their entire shoe and and do that, um, and or if they did get injured already and they're trying to come back from their injury, can we give them something so that they don't have to shove a, a full ankle brace into their shoe and uh, have to deal with all that so um ankle strap, and then we did a padded tongue because people are starting to do tricks off the forefront of their foot, um, and then we built out our own custom e v a foam, which is absorbs a certain amount as well as it, it kind of adds the sort of springiness back to to your jump as you're you're leaping off the stuff so.
0: I love it and I mean I think you're kind of hitting a a trend right now with uh you know introducing a product like that. Uh you know I'm sure you've seen in sort of like the running community there's there's been a big uh shift in the way that running shoes are made compared to they used to be with like a, a large heel and uh you know you mentioned you know we land on the balls of our feet when we are uh you know you're really supposed to do that running or doing any athletic activity and so you know, having sort of a lower impact shoes definitely seems like the, uh, the way that, you know, Adidas and Nike, they're moving towards lighter weight shoes and, uh, to avoid injuries that are common with any sort of athletics. So, I mean, I think you're sort of hitting the right stride there. And I I love the features that you're able to, you know, complement into the design of the shoe with, uh, that they're designed for, for parkour free running. I think that's awesome. Thank you. Where's, uh, where's the best place for people to get them?
1: Yeah, if you head over to TempestFreeRunning.com backslash shop backslash LaFlair or just go to (laughs) TempestFreeRunning.com and uh, (laughs) you can check them out there. And I think we have some links to some videos of them in action. Um, Yeah.
0: Love it, man. Love it. Uh, I want to hear more about what you're working on now because I'm looking at sort of the, the course of your career here and I'm seeing it, you know, moving into so many like it's such a multifaceted thing at this point, you know, like on your website, it's like, okay, it's like, there's the art, there's the, video, <laughs> the, you know, your your appearances on TV and then, uh, you know, just the physicality of it all anyways. And it seems like such a, uh, again, it's a very dynamic position that you're in. It's also, you know, one that uh, I'm super curious to see sort of where you project this going in another, you know, five, 10 years.
1: I, you know, I'm definitely at that point in my life where like the question of like, what am I doing now? Like, what am I doing next? What is the plan? The second I always start to look a little too far into the future and I start to have those questions arise, the more stressed I kind of get, you know, and it starts to like freak me out and I get a little like in my own head about things. So I kind of go back and forth sometimes. I have these waves where I I get really like into the headspace of like oh you what is the thing where are you going you know is your body going to give out or do you want to stay in the parkour space you know it's it's something i think i'll always be a part of but is that where my career is going you know like what so it's very interesting i've always played with this like multi-path life where if Something is going well on this side, whether it's you know stunts, um, where I've been very fortunate um, to get brought into the stunt world, uh, which has led me to huge opportunities like stunt doubling Nightcrawler in the last last two X Men films, um, as well as just getting to double a bunch of actors through different films and stuff like that. Um, So like when that's hot, I'm like I'm just kind of riding that wave because that helps pay for the ability to live the parkour life, and then. Um, obviously the the growth side of parkour for me right now, I'm actually currently working on another company that we've been working on for a couple of years that kind of got pushed aside for a minute. um, And now we're back up on working with it. And this year we're trying to launch it, which is called the Pro Free Run League, which is, if you know anything about skateboarding or Rob Dyrdek Street League, we're trying to essentially create the Street League of parkour um, and in hopes to um, really generate Uh, a televised competitive parkour series where sponsors now can see the value of putting their logo on an athlete so that athletes can live off of doing what they love in a very consistent um, sort of way and they know what they're training for and they know how many competitions they're going to be a year because right now it's kind of a very unorganized like everyone's just kind of making stuff happen Um, so on the parkour side I have that happening And then additionally, my wife uh is just over six months pregnant, so we're having a baby boy pretty soon.
0: Congratulations. Thank you, thank
1: you. (laughs) So that kind of throws like the monkey wrench into like the the sort of yearning for stability, um, but within a freelance life, there just it just doesn't exist. So um so the, the part of me that sees a lot of value right now still is this idea of building the audience, right? And Whether it's you know like I don't know if you're familiar with TikTok, it's a a newer social media app. A lot of younger people are on it, but it's it's one of those new ones that's like now shifting into the more like oh now all the celebrities are on it now all the everybody's moving over to it. Um, And I was very fortunate to see that happening two years ago while it was still called Musically. And I've been fortunate enough to build an audience of like 650,000 followers on that one. So like there's this idea of building an audience. because the more of an audience you have, the more you're able to produce content for companies that are looking to do that. And luckily I've been talking to a few more companies every year. I kind of get these campaigns and right now I'm I'm working with a new company called Supcase, which is a phone case company I've, I'm sponsored by Yokohama Tire. Who built out their inaugural action sports team two years ago and has like some incredible athletes like travis pastrana and a bunch of other gold like medalists from x games on it um as well as companies like tempest free running and uh, a new app called vresh which is a 360 based platform that has some really unique features but that's kind of like what i'm looking at right now is like do i stay in the stunt or tv world do i head back into acting do i build parkour as a, a, you know, culture and company, and maybe that somehow actually pays back because we build out the, the world's biggest competitive free running league that is then maybe purchased by someone or the events themselves do well? Um, or do I just continue to try to be this sort of online celebrity that gets to create and produce his own content for companies that are interested in in him making fun stuff, you know? Or do I again do I just play within all the lines and just go wherever the the sort of food or fuel is in that moment, um and just keep on keeping on without overthinking too much of it. So that's kind of my, my headspace right now is and then on top of that I'm doing, you know, I'm still doing art. I actually just started to learn how to hand poke tattoo because I find it really interesting. So I've just been tattooing my own feet and like learning how to <laughs> So I don't know. I'm just out there trying to live life in, in the funnest way possible,
0: I guess. I mean, what it sounds like is you're you're sort of taking what you do now and bringing it sort of meta. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh-huh. rather than, you, you know, like I'm sure you'd, you could continue to be successful on your own, doing these stunts on your own and, uh, you know, and, and being, you know, a phenomenal parkour runner. But it sounds like you're you're developing out like the the sport as a whole, developing out the platform for hosting that sport, which, you know, sounds to me like you're double dipping again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which is which is awesome. I, I think that's really phenomenal because uh, you know, at some point, you know, you always have to consider what's what's next, what's further down the line. It sounds like, you know, you're sort of on the on the right track of being able to bring this to more people and to develop out a system for getting more people involved in this sport and looking at this sport, which I'm sure in turn, will benefit you, benefit you down the road as well. Uh, which is really cool. And, and one thing that I also, you know, notice on your website, which is really cool is, is how you're, uh, you know, sort of in line with the tutorials, like you have information on how to get, you know, like how to get into free running or parkour which you know like to be able to teach something is is sort of on on the next level of of mastering it you know after you've sort of mastered it for yourself being able to instruct others to do the same is, uh you know sort of how you get there so i I think those are great (laughs) sounds awesome
1: man i'm excited to see. thanks (laughs) yeah no it's been cool it's been cool and i think interesting about the tutorial note is like even so i i part of the tempest free running company we own four gyms three are in california also socal two in los angeles one near san diego and then we also just opened our newest one in dallas texas um and they're they're the sort of most built out professional free running gyms uh in probably the world or in at least the the u.s um but within that i started coaching at one when, when i first got involved with tempest and as much as I knew how to do things, when you coach anything, when you have to teach someone how to do something, it it forces you to break it down in a way that you understand it better. So I found it really interesting to, to come from someone who had a certain level of skill, but became better through coaching. Um, so that was almost another drive to like creating these tutorials is I really had to break down how things were done um, and not just naturally do them. Uh, so yeah, that's, that might just be a lesson for people who are, who are good at stuff, but don't know how to take it to the next level for themselves.
0: Yeah. learn to teach it. That's, that's yeah, definitely a hundred percent. Well, and what are these, uh, what are these gyms called again? You got me, you piqued my interest. I'm going to have to go check. Uh,
1: yeah. Checking about Tempest Free Running Academy. We have one up in the Valley, um, in Los Angeles and one near Hawthorne and, uh, the South Bay. And then one is in um, Vista, California, a little bit closer to San Diego. Yeah, that's awesome. I,
0: I think the whole sport is really poised to to grow a lot over the next few years. You've already seen sort of the, the growth over the past, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 years. And so uh, now that this, you already mentioned there's like 12 year olds that can do these crazy things. There's all sorts of, there's a new generation diving into it. And I'm sure they're going to bring their own, twists and tricks and and uh you know different levels of of movements to the game so i mean that's really cool man
1: yeah and it's it, like i was kind of saying earlier the, the blessing and curse of there not being a device the blessing sided is that it's the most accessible action sport in the world you don't need anything but a decent pair of shoes to do it right so we're seeing a very big increase of this like exploration of movement and skill and flips and um, happening in areas that don't have much. Um, And I think that is something that also really just interests me from sort of a filmmaking perspective is like the growth of it is just so natural um, and it's so accessible that there's no reason for anyone. There's no excuse for someone not to get into it. And then on top of that, it, it also becomes the most relatable action sport. It's not the, spectac- like the spectacle of a motorcycle traveling 200 feet through the air. But what it is, is anyone can imagine doing a backflip. They can, they can look at someone that does a backflip and, and get that feeling of sort of feel fear or excitement because they can relate to this idea of jumping and trying to get over their own head, um, whether they think they can do it or not. So I think in that aspect of it, the sport will continue to grow because the spectator side of it is also the most relatable
0: what kind of uh, attraction have you seen in you know like internationally with the sport
1: oh it's I mean it's massive internationally I, I want to say in Europe in general in the UK uh, the the level of sort of events that they're already having there's a lot more competitions um, build-outs happening where they're you know they're building platforms and scaffolding and and hosting these competitions and more of a town-based thing or in any of their action sports sort of festivals. So it's been kind of odd because the U S isn't, we're into it, but I feel like we're still not at the level where it's, it's accepted publicly as like a thing that is happening. You know, like I just spoke to someone at the mind and body fitness, um, uh, event that's happening in san diego and there was, there was these girls from florida and they ha- owned a yoga company and we told them what we did and they were like there's parkour gyms and i'm like yeah there's one in orlando right next to you um and you know and like but anytime i get that it surprises the crap out of me because i'm like yeah this stuff is everywhere i know it's my life and it's what the internet will show me because I, they know you know they, facebook knows it's my interest so i will constantly see it. But it surprises me when people don't know how big of a movement this is. You know, this, this last summer, I hosted a 63 day tour around the USA promoting my shoe. And part of that thing was we hosted 20 events in gyms around the country. And I had to select gyms because there were too many of them to try to host at everyone, right there's i actually wow. have a list on my website jessieloflair.com of, of gyms all around the country the u.s um and i know that list is probably already outdated but it's um yeah it's, it, it surprises me how big of a underground movement it still kind of is and actually it's crazy if you look at the numbers it's the fastest growing action sport in the world we have if you look at just youtube at the top videos of parkour Versus the top videos of the three largest action sports in the world: where BMX, motocross, uh, snowboarding. Parkour's top one and second video has more views than the top three action sports' top videos combined. And that that like that alone is like a number that really like piques my interest in like people want to watch this, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, have, uh, do you know if they've? There's been consideration around uh, making an Olympic sport?
1: Oh, yeah. That's actually like a very, that's like in another kind of elaborate uh, offshoot conversation. And, and part of that conversation is it is being considered for the Olympics. The problem is the sport itself doesn't have a lot of structural guidelines and a lot of like men behind it. So what ended up happening is we had the Federation of International Gymnastics step in and try to claim parkour as like the twelfth discipline of gymnastics and own our sport because they as a company are this multi-million dollar mega company that, that has all these lawyerships behind them. And so they they got behind some board and they're trying to essentially claim that parkour is now a part of gymnastics and they legally can't do it. What it did do on a positive note was create a lot of fire under the ass of like all these different branches of parkour um, like groups. So now in the U S we have the USPK uh, which is a company that is started to be, you know, able to sort of regulate and, and justify what competitions are, considered um, a professional competition what athletes have earned enough points by competing at competitions that are justified as um, a regulated competition and um, so we're getting to a more mature state within the sport for it to be able to go into the olympics the downside is if fig were to jump in they would because it's more about money for them. Um, They would regulate it in a way that any parkour gym that ever has been graded now has to use their insurance, now has to use their regulated mats for parkour, um, now has to teach the curriculum in a way that is hired by their instructors. And so there's, there's a really big thing happening right now within the sport that is luckily connecting a lot of us but also um scaring the shit out of a lot of us because uh we have someone who wants to get involved that has no understanding of our culture and or of even the movement itself so yeah interesting
0: yeah that's that that is really interesting and i'm sure that that kind of pressure from from the you know from gymnastics trying to take over like that is probably probably going to have an inverse effect and, and strengthen the bonds uh within the parkour community so i'm sure at least i'd like to see it play out that way it seems like. yeah sure. yeah <laughs> um man that's amazing and, and you know the, the, just hearing you talk about this it really is like a uh it's such an interesting sport the way it's really human beings and the mechanics of the human body interacting with our environment it seems just sort of like something that is bound to take hold in more places. And I could see it really being uh, something that that brings people together around their environment that they're in, which seems to be something that's, you know, very much neglected right now. Yeah, for sure. That's cool, man. All right. I want to, I, you know, sort of last thing here. I, I want to know about your documentary that you got coming out.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, pretty good transition in general. So the part of that tour that I went on, um, we like I said, we hosted about 20 events all around the country. We're on the road for 63 days, but the way I, so again, talk about the hustle, right? I actually fully self-produced the entire tour on my own. I organized every single event. I calculated every bit of the trip itself and down to the, how much, how many miles, what's the average cost of gas, uh how much does it cost to fly out and bring on some of the world's best athletes to come with me from around the world so paying for their flights as well as a little stipend to have them there plus pay for food plus drive the tour bus which is a 33 foot rv with double slide outs that i had to purchase myself and then create the art um that wrapped the bus also find companies that would trust me enough to sponsor the tour and help pay for the wrap as well as like um, again, get in contact with all 20 gyms and on top of that, hire a film crew, find someone who is going to come shoot photos, host our merchandise, design our merchandise, <laughs> and then, uh, go on tour and, and, and pray and hope that the bus doesn't break down. Everything works perfectly and I can come home and either break even or make a little bit of money off of it. Um, and I successfully got home, sold the bus um produced a film and uh directed the entire thing while we were there and I ended up making making a little bit of money off of the entire 2 months we were on the road so probably not as much as someone might want to get paid for that amount of work but enough for me to go hey I just created 20 events I made this film we enhanced the culture of the sport by doing this thing at such the next level that other sponsors that look at our sport, that catch wind of this documentary and, and the tour itself are gonna go, damn, this, this is really happening. This uh, sport and culture is growing and I wanna be a part of it. So the film itself wasn't necessarily just about the tour. Um, it was, it really was a look, it was kind of meta. It was like the film is called Bound My Movement. The story was that we have all these incredible athletes literally from around the world um, I think it was 13 cities and six countries or something. Uh, and the thing that connected us all was this movement, right? Parkour is, as a sport and a culture. So it is very much action sports film in the sense that, you know, we go to abandoned factories and we stop at an abandoned um, gold mining town in the middle of the desert um, and we shoot free running there We just capture movement in, in these really beautiful edits uh, that are connected by a very kind of real-life docu-vloggy style um, mix of interviews and and just following along with uh, each one of our athletes. So the film is available on all digital platforms, but if you want to check it out directly or at least check out the trailer, you can head over to boundbymovementfilm.com and uh, let me know what you think.
0: And where can people, they should watch it on Vimeo.
1: Yeah. So if you go, if you go to that link, bound by movement, it'll take them directly to Vimeo. Otherwise if you're at home and you have the new Apple TV, you can pretty much say, show me bound by movement film and it'll bring it up on Amazon prime or iTunes or any other digital platform, Google play, things like that.
0: Man, that, that is awesome. I'm looking forward to watching it myself. And, uh, it's, it, sounds like, you know, for for what you're doing there, sort of creating culture and creating art in the form of a documentary around this sport, you know, it sounds like the uh, the pumping iron equivalent, uh, you know, to to parkour and and that. So, I mean, you could see, uh, you know, what pumping iron did to the weightlifting community. I I hope that uh, this film, uh, Bound by Movement, has a similar effect on your sport. Me too. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's been good. I've, I've gotten some good publicity out of it. I, I submitted to a couple of film festivals and actually I just won Best Director for the Los Angeles Independent Film Festival, I think it's called. Um, so that was kind of a nice like reassurance that, you know, the, the work that we put into it, we spent about eight months um, in post-production on it and uh, it was fully edited by just me and my camera guy that was on tour with us. So again, you know, cutting out all the middlemen and and really just like taking all of the skills that I learned in life to try to make something that I will have forever to look back on and, and be very proud of. So I'm happy that other people are liking it too. Well,
0: congratulations on that success, uh, Jesse. It's really amazing to hear and and uh, you know, once again I, I'm really looking forward to seeing your trajectory uh over the next few years or see where this sport goes and uh, and you know, I wish you the best of luck in building this your business, your brand, and the and uh developing the the sport and and getting it into the uh the lives of more people.
1: Hell yeah, man.
0: I appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank, thanks for joining us again. And do you mind plugging all, all of your uh your social channels yeah. real quick to
1: wrap up? Yeah, for sure. If you just look up at Jesse LaFlare, that's J-E-S-S-E-L-A-F-L-A-I-R. On Instagram and most other platforms, you'll find me.
0: Phenomenal. Thanks again, man. All right. Peace out. Peace.